Brock McGinn has it. He comes in. He fires one that goes over the top of the Blackhawks net. Now Stahl has it put back out in front of McGinn. McGinn's second chance is knocked down by Lankin. And now Hamilton wrists one. Deflected just wide. McGinn puts one that goes to the front of the net. But that's going to be knocked away by Kalina. Still in the zone. Kept in by McGinn. Work over to Hamilton. Hamilton's drive is deflected by Patrick Kane into the netting behind Lankinen. Carolina clears. Coming away with some speed as Steven Lorenz works his way in on Lankinen with a great chance. And Lankinen stones Lorenz as Lorenz went backhand, forehand with a great opportunity there. Chicago gets it to the neutral zone. Carolina's last gasp is a long stretch pass, but they're going to be offside. One second left, and the Blackhawks will take a 2-1 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes as Kevin Lankinen is being congratulated by his teammates. For long stretches, the Canes had the better of play, but Chicago will get the better on the scoreboard. 2-1, just the eighth loss for the Carolina Hurricanes in regulation this season. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for spending some time with us. A unhappy recap. 2-1, Chicago wins this. I didn't recognize the Blackhawks tonight. I don't know uh, who they thought they were. I believe they thought they were uh, the New Jersey Devils from like 20 years ago with the style of hockey they decided to throw out there on the ice tonight. Uh, But it was a clogged neutral zone affair. Uh, So we'll get to all of it, and uh, then we'll have a special trade deadline preview. Is that even fair to call it a trade deadline preview? Uh, With Dave Pinota from the fourth period. For uh, Hurricanes fans, hockey fans in general, you guys probably know Dave Pinota, but I will throw myself on the sword uh, when we bring Dave on. Until this season began, I was not familiar. My fault. Uh, We became fast friends on Twitter. But uh, I'll tell you the story a little bit later on, but we're going to talk trade deadline with Dave Panyota. So no Alec Campbell tonight, and I miss Alec already, uh, even though we haven't even gotten started here. Uh, The entire Canes Corner podcast, morning after edition, brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Uh, If it's, again, for the exterior, whether it's roofing or siding or Uh, storm doors, entry doors, bay windows, bow windows, gutter helmets, you name it, they've got it. Aluminumcompany.com. Furious, furious start. You heard that at the beginning. Things like this. Brock McGinn has it. He comes in. He fires one that goes over the top of the Blackhawks net. Now Stahl has it put back out in front of McGinn. McGinn's second chance is knocked down by Lankin. And now Hamilton wrists one. Deflected just wide. McGinn puts one that goes to the front of the net. But that's going to be knocked away by Kalina. Still in the zone. Kept in by McGinn. Work over to Hamilton. Hamilton's drive is deflected by Patrick Kane into the netting behind Lankinen. That was basically much of the first period. I mean, there were some other chances. There was this one. Carolina clears. Coming away with some speed is... Steven Lorenz works his way in on Lankinen with a great chance. And Lankinen stones Lorenz as Lorenz went backhand, forehand with a great opportunity there. It didn't get a great shot off. It was a great move by Lorenz. Uh, and I think this is sort of indicative of the first period. Uh, to me, tonight was a great Corsi game. 
This was, oh man, Corsi ruled tonight. Carolina had uh, 25 Corsis uh, in the first period. They had 23 Corsis in the second period. That's right. Carolina out Corsied Chicago 23-10 in the second period. Did you watch the game? Carolina wasn't better than Chicago in the second period. Uh, they were better than Chicago at the end of the second period, maybe the last half of the second period, uh, but they weren't They weren't better than Chicago in the second period. Uh, and then in the third period, eh, Chicago really was just trying to protect a one-goal lead, and they did a good job of that, by the way. Uh, and the third period was kind of a, uh, you know, neither team really wanted to play offense. And Carolina tried. Uh, Carolina did not muster a lot down a goal in the uh, in the third. In fact, the... Uh, scoring chances got progressively less for Carolina as the game wore on, and we will explain why uh, that happened uh, throughout this podcast. Uh, but Carolina had 11 scoring chances in the first, seven of them from high danger. This is all according to Natural Stat Trick. Uh, but again, I don't believe Kevin Lankinen had to make more than one or two really good saves. He just had to be in the way, and he did that very well tonight because Car- I don't think Carolina got tons of great shots off. They had quality scoring chances, but they didn't get great shots off. I don't think. Um, But again, it's going to look like what a dominant game. And I know Mike Maniscalco said at the end that Carolina dominated for, uh, for stretches of this game. I guess I don't, I didn't really see Carolina being dominant anytime other than the first period. They certainly had their moments they certainly uh, had opportunities to score, uh, but close your close your eyes and think of all the great saves Kevin Lankin had made tonight. Go ahead, I'm waiting. That was my problem. Is that uh, Carolina just I don't think was sharp offensively, uh, in spite of the fact that they created a lot of opportunity for themselves. And I mentioned that Chicago played a style we've not seen before. They did sort of look like the Devils from 20 years ago. There was no room in the neutral zone for Carolina. It was really hard to get pucks through, get uh, get possession in the offensive zone uh, in any other way than by getting it in and forechecking the hell out of Chicago. But Carolina's forecheck was actually pretty good tonight. Uh, they were pretty good on pucks in the Chicago zone and created chances but just didn't do much with them. Um, and after the first period, I just thought Chicago just slowly pushed Carolina away from the goal. Uh, if you were looking, I know uh, our friend Corey Lavalette from North State Journal tweeted out a heat map from the first period. I think it was from Natural Statric. And it looked like somebody had just spilled dark blue ink right in front of the Chicago goal. I mean, every shot, it seemed like Carolina, uh, was coming from in tight. I mean, really close you know, below the rings, forget about below the face-off dots, below the face-off circles, they were so close. But there weren't great shots. They just were in tight. And Lankinen is a big body, and he's a great goaltender, and Lankinen didn't have a ton of trouble handling Carolina's, you know, scoring chances in the first period. And then in the second period, it kind of deteriorated on both ends for Carolina. I thought Carolina made uncharacteristic mistakes uh, early in the second period, including one by Brett Pesci that we will talk about. 
the first goal, uh, I believe, was a soft one, even though Ryan Strom was in very close. Was it or Dylan Strom? I'm, I'm sorry, I got my Stroms mixed up. Uh, I think it's Dylan Strom who was in very tight. Uh, but uh, the truth is, is that Alex Ndelkovic left a ton of room on the short side. Um, and normally Ned plays big in that situation, and he kind of played small, and uh, he was off his post, and that uh, shot kind of went in off the side of his arm and had plenty of room to get in, uh, and it's one nothing. 29 seconds into the second period. Uh, and then on the power play, Brett Pesci was a little too deliberate and got his pocket picked by Patrick Kane. Uh, you say that five times fast. Uh, Brett Pesci got his pocket picked by Patrick Kane. There you go. And uh, all of a sudden, it's 2 nothing. four minutes into the second period. And uh, Chicago's got a little bit of momentum, obviously. And Carolina's now searching for their game. Chasing it, right? And Carolina really never got back inside of Chicago. If they could have played the, the second and third period sort of like they played the first, I think they would have eventually found the range and probably scored a few goals. Because they should have scored at least one in the first period. But again, for all of their possession and all of their uh, time deep in the Chicago zone in front of the net, there really weren't tons of great saves that Kevin Lankinen had to make. It's not that Carolina didn't have chances. I just think they didn't really ultimately do enough with those chances to make Lankinen really work hard. Um, I mean... That's just that was just the way the game played, and I thought Chicago played a great defensive game. Uh, even if it's not what they're known for, they did it tonight. Whether that was by design or not uh, remains to be seen. Maybe we'll see a different team and a different game on Thursday. Uh, but Carolina missed an opportunity to move into first place. Had they uh, been able to win this game, uh, they would have uh, gotten past Tampa into first place in the Central Division. As it turns out. Uh, Florida is a 4-1 winner over Detroit, and they jumped over Carolina. Carolina's got two games in hand on the Panthers. They jumped over Carolina into second place. Uh, actually, I think it even into a tie for first with Tampa, so now Carolina's third. <laughs> Such is life in the Central Division. Not really concerned about that. Not concerned with uh, finishing second or third. I think ultimately Carolina will finish no worse than second uh, unless their game really falls off. And I guess there's every opportunity for that to happen, but I don't anticipate it. Uh, but there you go. Um, real quick about the two goals that Florida, that rather that Chicago scored tonight. First one, as I mentioned earlier, was a soft goal, I thought. Uh, to me, uh, they're coming in two-on-one. Brett Pesci's the lone defenseman back. Uh, it was a, uh, a pass by Brady Shea that got knocked down at center ice in the neutral zone. It comes back in with some speed, and you have Strom, and I even forget who was on the other side of him uh, on the back side of the play, but uh, Brett Pesci basically took the pass away, and Ned, you've got the shooter, and Ned, I don't know that he trusted Brett. Uh, because Ned was definitely exposing way too much of the short side, and Strom just went in off the arm and in. Uh, and then, since Brett Pesci uh, was on the ice for the first goal, uh, Pesci really figures in on the power play goal uh, when he was, I don't know what he was doing. Normally, Brett would just get the puck and just snap it out of the zone, uh, but he was trying to skate with it just a little bit. And then Patrick Kane came up from behind, lifted the stick, 
and stole the puck from Pesci and just gave it right to Alex, uh, Alex to Brinkat, uh, right on the doorstep for an easy tap in. Uh, and it's two, nothing four minutes in. And there you go. Uh, Jordan Stahl eight, one 18 of 21 faceoffs tonight. Uh, thought the stall line was very good. Uh, Vincent Trocek returns to the lineup. He won 10 of 15 faceoffs. He played 19 minutes. He had an assist. The assist was not a thing of beauty. He won a faceoff in the offensive zone. Uh, Shea skated down, threw it on net. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov deflected it off of uh, a Chicago defenseman and in. Uh, that was Carolina's lone goal. Uh, Trocek did uh, take six shots on goal. He had six shots on goal, so good for him. Uh, but that's uh, that's it. It was a game in which Carolina territorially was good, uh, but didn't do uh, nearly enough with the scoring chances to make it hard on Kevin Lankinen. And I would anticipate that we would see Kevin Lankinen again on Thursday, I don't think we will see Alex Nedeljkovic on Thursday. I think we will see James Reimer on Thursday. Uh, I'm not sure Peter Morazic is traveling with the team, uh, but I anticipate we're going to see Peter Morazic sooner rather than later. I think Carolina starts a, a what an eight-game homestand against Dallas uh, this weekend. I think maybe, who knows, maybe you'll see Peter Morazic against the team uh, against which he got hurt. So let's do the recap, and then we will uh, take a break. And when we come back, it will not be Alec Campbell. It will be Dave Panyota of the fourth period, and we'll do a little trade deadline conversation with Dave Panyota of fourth period. If you haven't been to the fourthperiod.com, it's really good. Uh, gets tons of great information. There's a lot of trade rumors on there. Uh, they have a top 40 big board. You might want to check it out. Carolina's name is kind of sprinkled throughout. So let's uh, let's begin. There were lots of shots and no goals in the first period. Carolina officially with a 13-5 shots on goal advantage. Uh, so let's just end that right there. No need to go back over it. Carolina had uh, a bunch of chances, but not a lot of really good shots. Uh, and really, you want those chances to turn into shots. And then we start the second period, and right off the first shift, Brady Shea's pass was knocked down in the neutral zone. Uh, Dylan Strom skates in, and Ned was caught leaning. Brady Shea tracks it down in the cane zone. He makes his way along the left boards, but his pass is deflected, and now Strom has it on a bouncing puck. Comes in on Nedeljkovic, and he scores! Strom goes over the left shoulder of Alex Nedeljkovic. In 29 seconds into the second period, Chicago takes a 1-0 lead. I'm going to have to get Trip Tracy's uh, hot, cold goalie map. Uh, I'll bet that Alex Nedeljkovic's problem, they're going to call it glove side. I think Alex Nedeljkovic's problem is short side. He has given up a bunch of short side goals uh, this year, and that was one of them right there. Uh, then it didn't take much longer. Dougie Hamilton goes to the box, his second penalty of the night. This one was for a defensive zone slash. Dougie even skated away with the puck, and he couldn't, like he was surprised that he got called for the slash. I initially thought it was McGinn, uh, but it was a clear slash on the stick by Dougie Hamilton. Uh, and then within the power play, uh, rather the penalty kill, an uncharacteristic mistake by Brett Pesci, who got stripped in the defensive zone by Patrick Kane, who gave the puck to Alex DeBrinket, and all of a sudden, it is 2 nothing. 
Chicago, though, quickly back into the Canes end to bring it. Wires it around, but Jacob Slavin gets to it. Now for a clearing attempt by Pesci, it's stolen, and they score! Patrick Kane picks Brett Pesci's pocket, hands it to Brinkett, and Chicago goes up 2-0. It really happened that fast. Carolina had control of the puck, and then they didn't. Patrick Kane did. Uh, end of story. Uh, Carolina was, I would think, kind of stuck in mud in the second period. I was a little fearful that the first period energy would wane, um, but it was temporary because Carolina pretty much got back on it last half of the second period. I thought Carolina was good, uh, but at this point, Chicago had stopped or had prevented Carolina from really gaining any kind of momentum through the neutral zone, uh, and they had forced everything to the perimeter. And speaking of the perimeter, uh, with a little under five minutes left in the period, uh, the Hurricanes had an offensive zone face-off. Vincent Trocek won it, and in part led to the Canes getting back on the board. Trocek got a skate on it, now gets it back to the point where Shea jumps in through the slot, throws one, and they score! Sharp angle, Brady Shea throws it on, and the Canes have cut into the Blackhawks' lead. It's 2-1 with 4.19 to go in the second. Yeah, it wasn't all the way out at the wall, but it was below the face-off circle, and he really just threw it on, trying to get a rebound or maybe uh, maybe a deflection in front, and that's what he got. He got a uh, deflection off the stick of Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, then the puck deflected off Kalanick, uh, one of Chicago's defensemen. I think he's playing in like his second or third NHL game, and it goes in, and that's how Carolina beat Kevin Lankin in tonight. Uh, or the one goal that, that they got through. Uh, and that was it. Carolina is done scoring for the night. Uh, they put uh, a little bit of pressure on. They pulled the goalie for the last, what, two and a half minutes. Even had uh, Jordan Stahl take center ice faceoffs without the goalie in. A center ice faceoff with no goalie. That's because Jordan Stahl won basically every faceoff he looked at tonight. So, uh, so that was it. That was the uh, the whole ball game right there. Carolina loses two one to Chicago. Uh, again, as I said earlier, it was a great Corsi game. Uh, Carolina had sixty two Corsis to Chicago's thirty two Corsis, uh, but Chicago's thirty two Corsis combined for two goals. Carolina's sixty two combined for one, and that's how they decide winners. They look at the scoreboard, and the scoreboard really only accounts for goals. It doesn't account for anything else. All right, we will take a very short break. A reminder for you, you can follow the Canes Corner podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Rate us, review us, give us a five-star review. And by the way, you're going to give us five stars after tonight uh, because Dave Panyota is a super sourced up, uh, plugged in, the fourth period guy. Great website. They do work on NHL radio on Sirius XM. Uh, he makes appearances all over the country. Uh, and uh, look, the fourth period is just a really good website. They do a lot of videos. Uh, and uh, it's all stuff about the NHL, insider stuff about the NHL. It's great. Great site. Uh, it is a go-to staple for me. I hope it will be for you. Uh, so we'll take a short break. We'll come back. We'll talk deadline and what the Canes might need to do. You know how I feel about this. They need a top nine forward. They need support scoring. You got to treat uh, Tavo Teravainen as though he's not coming back. And then when he does come back, if he does, it's gravy. And they need another defenseman. Hayden Fleury played just over 11 minutes tonight. 
you get into a playoff series with whether it's Florida or it's Tampa Bay, and you're playing uh, into an overtime uh, or maybe a second overtime, Hayden Fleury ain't going to play. He's going to take one shift, two shifts maybe in an overtime. You need somebody that you can rely on because I got news for you. Jake Bean probably isn't also isn't going to take shifts either. One, maybe two. So you're not going to play into four or five periods with just four defensemen. You're going to need another guy who you can rely on to play good, solid defense. Uh, and there, I think there are options out there, uh, but Carolina uh, is going to have to go acquire one. I don't think it'll cost a ton uh, to bring in a Brandon Montour of Buffalo. I don't think it'll even cost a ton to bring in David Savard from the Blue Jackets if the Blue Jackets uh, kind of fade away. And the Blue Jackets, by the way, right now are in the process of fading away, although they did beat Tampa Bay tonight. So who knows? Maybe the Blue Jackets aren't going to move anybody. Uh, but they need a they need another defenseman, preferably a right side. They can move Jake Bean over to the left side, his natural side, uh, and maybe get a little bit more out of Jake Bean, although I think they've gotten plenty offensively out of Bean, but it's been about uh, it's been about a month since we've seen dynamic Jake Bean on offense, right? All right, so uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Dave Pinota of the fourth period uh, when the Canes Corner podcast rolls on. Uh, we uh, we like to mix it up from time to time. Normally, we talk to uh, my friend Alec Campbell, who does uh, pre and post for the Hurricanes. Uh, but with the trade deadline about two weeks away, uh, I thought we would do some stuff like that. And there is no better person to get to, uh, than Dave Panyota from the fourth period. Now, before we start, Dave, I want to tell people how, uh, you and I became, I'll just say Twitter friends. And that's probably using the term loosely, uh, in that I don't often go hard in the paint to people who clearly know more than I do, but Back before the season started, I was unfamiliar uh, with uh, with the fourth period, and that's my fault, nobody else's. Uh, so when there were rumors about Brett Pesci for Patrick Lyonnais, and I'm hearing that, uh, well, the Hurricanes would have to throw something else in, uh, I'm sure your information was solid from the people you were talking with, but... I was like, I knew the Hurricanes would never do anything like that only because I know what is the most important thing in the world to Tom Dundon, and that's value. And Brett Pesci's contract screams value with a capital value. Um, And anyway, so I said something stupid on Twitter. And what I couldn't believe, David, was the people who reached out to me, like, immediately texting me, DMing me, uh, people who played in the league, John Forslund, the voice of hockey on NBC, they were like, no, nah, man, Dave Dave knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> so I apologize in person, even though you and I have uh, already had our piece on uh, Twitter. So thank you for doing this. I'm sorry for what I said in September or whatever oh, month that was, wa- December. Yeah. <laughs> no, all good. That's that water way under the bridge and long, <laughs> long past. So it's all good, man. All right, so let, let let's get to the uh, let's get to the deadline because there are times I think yep. they they kind of need a you know wouldn't be bad to have Patrick Lyon a not at the expense of Brett Pesci because uh, even though this team has scored a lot of goals I still think that they need some help uh, offensively 
so I just by the way, for people who aren't are unfamiliar, like I was back in December, um, you guys do an incredible job, uh, especially at the trade deadline. Right now, you've got your top 40. There's only one player off that list, and that's Eric Stahl right now, who is sixth on your list. And the Hurricanes were in the mix for him. I don't know if he was a great fit or not for Carolina, other than the sentimentality of it. Uh, but from where you stand, how active do you think Carolina will be uh, in the next two weeks? You know, and I think... You know, for the most part, you mentioned it before, the value adds, right? So I think if the Hurricanes are in a position to add some a piece up front and a piece on the blue line on the right side, which I know Donnie Waddell has already vocalized <laughs> publicly that he'd like to do, um, I think those are two areas certainly that they'd like to add. Now, they've got a little bit of cap space. They want to stick within, I guess, their own internal budget uh, as well. But if they can add someone on that right side of the blue line, and perhaps somebody in the bottom six, I think that's what they'd like to do. Now, whether or not they can pull it off in these next 13 days or so, we'll obviously wait and see, but I could see them certainly adding those two, those two pieces. I don't know if we're going to see a big impact move in terms of any up, anybody up front, but I could certainly see them adding those two kind of pieces over these next couple of weeks here. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, in normal years, um, we get to the trade deadline, and there are not as many teams in it. But just in the central division, there are four teams that are essentially, you can throw a blanket over them, uh, fighting for the last playoff spot. Uh, and you could probably say the same thing in the, uh, in the north. There's a bunch of teams competing for that last, uh, that last spot behind the top three. Uh, even in the west, there's a lot of teams still, uh, still kind of on the fringe of the race there. Uh, the East is the only one that I think that there's probably some separation, uh, but there's a lot of teams that should be sellers that might not be sellers. Um, like a team like Nashville that was probably going to sell off a bunch. All of a sudden they find themselves other than the Chicago moving ahead of them, uh, you know, based on results later on tonight, there's just a lot more teams in it. Yeah. The, the Predators, their, their five game winning streak has really ruined our fun here. And trying to <laughs> see, see, see what kind of deals could be made here. Um, but I, I, you know, I still think there are teams like Nashville that, that also have to be realistic. Right. And you're right. There are teams throughout this league that have kind of crept back into a playoff race. And I'm in Vancouver right now. The Canucks were a team that kind of re-emerged as a possible contender, although they've slipped a little bit and they've got a game Wednesday night against Calgary, a team that they're chasing and battling with. Um, but, but some of these teams, you know, they start winning all of a sudden you're winning six of your last 10 and and maybe you think you got a shot but i think a lot of these teams are getting to a point where they're being realistic with how their future is going to look the rest of the season and i think nashville is one of them vancouver is certainly another and i think we're going to see these teams over these next couple of weeks really look and say okay we've got rentals that we can move i think that's the way to go i don't know necessarily if they're going to go the other route and move out some of their uh guys that are that are signed with, with term beyond this season, whether it's one extra year or four extra years, we've heard, you know, Victor Arvidsson as an example in Nashville is a guy that generated a lot of attention mm-hmm. three more years left on his deal. I don't know if they're going to go that route right now, but I could see some of their rentals like a Granlin or a Howla moving out. Yes. Yeah, the thing is, is that the, from the hurricanes perspective, they're much more interested in the hockey trade. Uh, that's what got them Trocek last year, what got them Brady Shea last year. Uh, they're far less inclined for the rental. 
but with contracts coming due for next year, uh, with the potential of signing Dougie Hamilton to a you know a big dollar deal, and I have my doubts as to whether or not uh, uh, they'll do that. I really do. Um, but they're going to have to pay Svechnikov, and we're not that far from Martin Natchez needing another deal. There's There are contracts coming down the pike for them, and they're going to have to be a little careful. So I think maybe this year they're probably more inclined to do uh, a, you know, a, a low-cost rental, uh, even if the players got some dollars to pay this year. I don't, you know, like a Brandon Montour who makes almost four. Um, I don't know what it would cost in terms of uh, prospect capital. Do you have a sense of something like that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for a guy like Montour, for example, who can who plays both sides, but, you know, he's, he's solid on the right. Um, you're probably looking at someone like him. I think the asking price is, is two picks. I think it's a second-round pick, and then if they can get a third, great. I don't necessarily think they're going to actually get that. Like, I can give you an example with, you know, you look at the Eric Stahl deal. Right. They wanted to get a second round pick out of that deal from Montreal. It just, or from well, any team they were looking at, they weren't able to get it. So they were able to get, you know, a third and a fifth round pick and Buffalo ate some salary. The Sabres are still in a position to eat and retain money on a couple of their uh, guys. You presume if they're going to trade Taylor Hall, they're going to have to eat half of his $8 million yeah. deal. So that leaves him at four Montour you're probably looking at at close to half on his deal as well. And Buffalo is willing to do it. If they can get a second round pick, I think they make this deal tomorrow, but I don't know any team that's willing to do that at this stage. Yeah. I don't think Carolina is, uh, I mean, it would have to be a better player. I could almost see it for a guy like David Savard, uh, who I I think could play a much heavier game. uh, And like Carolina's top four, very good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, rank them anywhere in the league, but their top four is set. Uh, it's the bottom pair that I think that they are concerned about when they get into the, get into the postseason. Uh, because I mean, just, I watch them every night. I've watched every second of every game, uh, and flurry and bean can be taken advantage of, uh, in, on a third pair. Jake beans got a great future and he's an offensive player. Uh, but I can certainly see in a playoff game, my gosh, third period overtime, uh, seeing very little of Jake Bean and just rolling five defensemen, it would certainly help if somebody like a David Savard, David Savard was that fifth. Right, absolutely. And and I agree with you. I think that type of caliber player for a team that has the amount of weapons that the Hurricanes have, I think if you add somebody on that back end, and if it's a third pair, great, doesn't really matter as long as you've got a player that can basically hold the fort down and help bail out your goalies every once in a while. That's what David Savard does. Coincidentally, you know, scoring his first goal in two years uh, for for him. So at least he got that one off his off his back. <laughs> but he, he's a UFA at the end of the season and a decent cap number. And, and and you're right. I think that type of a player. And that's why there were also reports that they were looking at Travis Hamonic from the yeah. Canucks. Hamonic's got a no move, not wanting to do it. But another guy responsible in his own zone physical player. Savard's more physical, has a, a bit more edge and bite to his game. I think it would be a great fit, but now you're talking about a player on a team that is still in the mix and at the same time in your division. They're not going to catch up by any stretch, Carolina is. Or excuse me, uh, uh, Columbus will catch up to Carolina. No. But, you know, same division. So the price might be a tiny bit higher for a team 
in your own division if you're looking at that type of player. Yeah, and it's not just their own division this year. It's their own division forever right. uh, in the Metropolitan yeah. <laughs> Division. They're the only two teams from the Metro uh, that made the, uh, the the trip to the Central. Uh, Dave Pinota from the fourth period is joining us here on the Canes Corner Podcast. Um, uh, Mikhail Granlund is obviously going to be uh, in very high demand. Uh, it was kind of curious to me that there was not a market for him in the offseason. I mean, he was out there a long time and almost reluctantly, it seemed, uh, went back to uh, to Nashville. What uh, What's your sense of what it would cost? I think when you and I uh, set this up a while ago, we talked about what Stahl would ask for or what they would ask for Stahl. And, what, and you think it's going to be multiple picks for Grandlin because of his higher end. Well, yeah, and, and I think... You know, he, he dropped off slightly from an offensive perspective last season with the Preds. He, you know, he had 17 goals, but it was basically a, a half a point every game. So he was, you know, roughly a 40-some-odd point player, which is down from what he's done in the past. So I think a lot of teams, especially going into this year with so much uncertainty, didn't want to pay too much of a premium. So he went back to an environment that he thought was going to be the right fit for him. He's kind of at the same point pace. But I give him and almost anybody on Nashville a bye this season because of how rough it's been there. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't fault him there. Um, but yet for him, I would imagine you're looking at something similar to what Stahl brought in. You're probably looking at two picks. Maybe it's a pick and a prospect, depending on exactly what Nashville is looking to do. I think with their rentals, they're more so inclined to, to go the, the, the futures route versus any type of high-end prospect. Or, or young NHL caliber player. So you've got a player here in Grandland who's versatile. He can play the center position if you need him. He plays the wing on the left side. He's a guy that can really he can play almost any position up front and would certainly be a guy that can help with secondary scoring. He's got a little presence on the PK as well. This is a good guy to bring in from, a, from an overall presence perspective and value perspective as well because of his, his cap hit overall not being significant. I think it's three, seven, five or something along those lines. Right. So it's under four for sure. So you've got a guy that you can certainly add. You've got the cap space to do it. I would suspect, you know, you're probably looking at a very similar package to what Buffalo got for stalls. It was a third and a fifth. Maybe you're looking at a third and a fourth. Maybe it's just a second round pick, but I don't think it's overly significant. I mean, I think actually that uh, that would fit right into in uh, in line with what Carolina would want to do. And for my money, and I don't know why this is, you can never have enough guys from Finland. I just I I don't think that there <laughs> should be a limit, uh, or maybe there should be a fin uh, a a fin cap. I love I love Finnish players. Speaking of a Finnish right. player, um, uh, I I think an admirer of yours. Uh, Aaron Ward, former uh, former Hurricane, I too I communicate with a lot. He was one of the guys who came to your defense, by the way. Uh, I mean, he jumped on me so hard. You don't have no idea uh, how hard he jumped on me when I'm. He's like, no, Panyota knows what he's talking about. I'm like, Aaron, I'm 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 good. We've already, we've already talked it out. Yeah, Ward uh, and I have known each other for a long time as well. He's so smart. He's so smart. Yeah. Um, uh, so we were talking, I was talking with Aaron, I was talking with a lot of other people, actually, because I keep listening, and I listen a lot to NHL radio, and quick plug, you guys uh, you guys do the show on weekends, the fourth period, and it's just great. I mean, it's, it's, it, is it just an hour? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's two. We usually do 11 to, 11 to 1 Eastern okay. um, every Saturday. Gosh, yeah. it's so good. Um, so... Th- Goaltending. I keep hearing how Carolina needs goaltending. Now, I watched tonight. I wasn't crazy about the first goal that Alex Ndelkovich led up. 
I've already talked about it in the podcast. I thought it was, I thought he was a little bit uh, off uh, off his angle, and uh, Strom beats him really short side. Uh, and that's actually been a little bit of a problem for Ned short side goals. Uh, but the other one was just a bad turnover by Brett Pesci, which is kind of unusual for him. Uh, so I'm not going to bang Nedeljkovic because he's been great. Um, but there's a lot. Aaron's not the only one. There's a lot of people who think they're a goaltender away from being a legitimate cup contender. Is there a goaltender available that's a game changer, though? You know, I I, I don't exactly see it. I, I think the only one. And, and he hasn't had the best of seasons. He's had, it's a better one than he's had last year. Although he battled injuries last year as well, but he's got two cups under his belt. And that's Jonathan Quick in Los Angeles. Right. Now, I know uh, that L.A. offered him up to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know the full parameters, but this happened about a little over a week ago uh, where, where, this, where this happened. And obviously, it hasn't gone anywhere to this point. Um, but if he's available to Toronto, he's available pretty much anywhere else based on their cold and goaltending position, Cal Peterson really starting to take the reins in Los Angeles and he doesn't have a no trade, but quick's got some hefty money. I think it's 5.8 yeah. to go with with a couple more years. Other than that, I mean, there's not much. You've got Jonathan Bernier out there, you know, Linus Olmark, who's actually played pretty well for, for Buffalo, yeah. all things considered, but you don't have that game changer type. That's exactly available. So, I mean, maybe, if Nashville falls off further, and I know they've said they've been reluctant to move Pecorine, but he has a limited no trade. He doesn't have a full no move. So technically, if they wanted to, and it's not a team on his list, they can explore that route. If anything, I would see a, a guy like Pecorine, who you know only has one stop in the Stanley Cup final. Quick's got two cup championships. I think there would be a little motivated, extra motivating factor for him to chase a Stanley Cup. It might be tough leaving uh, Nashville, but for an opportunity in his last year, might be his last season in the NHL to chase a Stanley Cup, whether it's platooning or being a backup or being that veteran presence, uh, could be a possibility. Haven't heard too much, though, to be honest, but if they want to poke uh, and, and Nashville starts to fall off a little bit in these next couple of weeks, could be an angle that they pursue. Well, they drafted the uh, the kid from Russia, so they were right in front of Carolina yep. in the draft, and they drafted th- that kid, so uh, would I mean uh, UC Soros is also a free agent when the season's up? Would they be? Could they be motivated to move him? And is he an upgrade over what? Because Peter Morazic's going to come back probably next week, as my guess. Right? Uh, is Soros an upgrade over Morazic Nedeljkovic? And I'm going to toss Reimer to the side for now because I ultimately think the two best are Morazic and Nedeljkovic. Is Soros an upgrade? Not in my opinion. No, I would I would almost rather have Morazic return. And, and see what he's got. Um, you know, he, he put up solid numbers in, in the first part of the season. Obviously Crazy, got yeah. hurt. <laughs> uh, I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would rather give him that opportunity because Saros was supposed to be the guy that was going to take the reins from Pecorine, and it just hasn't happened. They've been holding out hope, and maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year. Mm, just hasn't happened yet. So I, I wouldn't, if I'm chasing a cup and I'm, I'm looking at my team, I'm more comfortable with Novakovic and, and Mrazic than I am with bringing in this kid, uh, UC Saros, in, into the mix. 
And if, if Carolina wants to go after Soros in free agency, they can always do that uh, right. if they decide, because they're going to have goaltending issues. They only have one goaltender right now under contract for next year, and his name is Beck Warm. <laughs> Uh, he's the guy they, uh, they, that the, the AHL team signed in Carolina. Like, wow, he's playing well. We need a goaltender to protect in the expansion draft. So they just signed him to a two year, uh, essentially a two way deal. Uh, so right now he is the goaltender they'll protect. My guess is, uh, that they will sign Nadelkovich after the season, unless his play completely falls off. Uh, so, uh, so who knows? All right. Final thing for Dave Panyota of the fourth period. I appreciate your time. Uh, you're a good sport and uh, you're everywhere on NHL radio. Uh, and again, the fourth period.com is excellent. Um, do you think this is going to be a busy trade deadline or is this going to be a little bit of a dud because a lot of teams just don't have either cap room or money to spend and they're not going to get enough, you know, fannies in seats when the playoffs do roll around? I think, and that's a good point. A lot of people forget about that, how much, how much teams value and, and make additional moves based on playoff revenue that are coming in. Um, but I think this season, because of everything going on, I think we're going to see movement. I don't think we're going to see 30 trades, um, like you know, 25 or something like that that we've seen in the past. I think there's definitely going to be movement leading up to the deadline and, and on trade deadline day on April 12th. I think we're probably going to be a little bit more surprised at the amount of hockey deals that I think actually take place. So rather than just your rental moves and, and primarily because like we talked about earlier, a lot of these teams have re-engaged into the playoff mix. Yeah. So, you know, maybe like Nashville, again, we can use them as an example. Maybe they, they move Howla and, and Granlin, but they hold on to Ekholm for another, uh, for, for a run and then revisit that in the off season kind of thing. Cause he's got one year left on his deal. I think we could see some teams looking at making more moves like the Hurricanes did last season by bringing guys with term on their deal. I, I don't, again, I don't think we're going to see a ton of them, but I think we're going to see you know, the usual suspects. Buffalo's going to move guys out. Ottawa's going to trade players. I believe Vancouver will as well. New Jersey certainly will. Detroit, of course, definitely. Yeah. But other than that, you don't have clear-cut sellers. So I think other than those five teams, you're going to see the other teams – tinker a little bit in terms of selling off pieces. And I do think we're going to see some hockey type deals. I don't know if we'll see the huge blockbusters. I think there's going to be a lot of teams lining up uh, to make those conversations uh, at least start them off now and revisit them in the off season. But I do think we're going to see some interesting moves here in these next couple of weeks. I, uh, I know Kevin Adams very well because I uh, covered the team very closely okay. when he won it, when he was part of the cup team. Uh, and I consider Kevin a friend. It's been a rough, rough year for a rookie GM. I really thought they had a pretty good team going into the season. What the heck yeah. happened? Yeah, a lot of people, myself included. Okay, they brought in Eric Stahl. They've got, you know, they don't have to, they can ease Dylan Cousins into the NHL by having Stahl there. And, and they added a couple pieces. And Hall, I thought, was going to work out. And obviously, Gosh. it didn't. And just everything just fell off. It's It's been a tough season there, but... It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks in off season for Buffalo. They're going to they're going to do a lot of changes between now and next season. Oh, there's no no question about it. Uh, Dave Panyota at the fourth period on Twitter. I thank you so much for the time. Uh, thanks for being my Twitter friend now, uh, and we'll uh, we'll do it again down the road. You got it. Can't wait, buddy. Take care. I've said it before. I think the Carolina Hurricanes have to approach this as though Tavo Teravainen is not coming back. 
Uh, even though the hope and the expectation is that at some point in the next 22 games he will, I think they must approach it as though he will not. Uh, with that mindset, uh, they I don't to me it's not a bottom six. I think they need a top nine forward, somebody who can play up. Uh, Mikhail Granlin can play up. He can play in your top six. Uh, look, there are other guys uh, that could also play up. Uh, I think Sam Bennett from Calgary plays a style that actually works anywhere in your lineup because I think he plays uh, enough of a feisty game where he can help uh, even your top lines, and obviously he can even play on a fourth line because he is that type of player. Uh, But Carolina needs to find uh, another forward. Uh, Remember, if Tavo Teravainen does come back, it'll almost be like adding a freebie at the deadline not quite the same type of thing, uh, but Eric Cole eventually came back. Of course, it was just for Game 6 and 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, but he was on the ice uh, and actually actually ended up needing him because Doug Waite was hurt. Uh, but this is, if you're Carolina, you have an opportunity to win a cup. I don't think there's a goaltender that is a game changer if they were going to be able to add one, and I know that the opinions are mixed on this, Uh, I've been saying this about the Hurricanes before. I do not believe they win or lose based on the goaltender. I believe this team is driven by the 18 guys who play in front of them. And uh, that's, to me, that's what I would do. I would strengthen as best you can the group that skates in front of the goalie. Whether it's Mrazek, whether it's Nedeljkovic, or whether it's James Reimer, uh, I think the goaltending is fine. Is the goaltending spectacular? I mean, it's kind of been that this year, um, tonight notwithstanding. But I I think the goaltending has been fine. That's not why they'll lose. I think they'll lose if they go through scoring droughts, which they kind of have been on one since the first half of the season. The first 16 games, I've done this, mentioned this before in, uh, in a recent preview. First 16 games, they had 11 games of four or more goals. Uh, They have had just seven in the 20 games since, whatever the number of games is, 18 games since. In the 18 games since, they have had just seven. Um, And they have needed overtime or shootouts uh, to get to some of those. So that's what they need. I think they need to get their offense back in gear. When their offense gets back in gear, I think we'll see this team really get cranked up. But the offense has kind of held it, it kind of been held back a little bit. Uh, part of that is Trocek was out for eight games. Part of that is Tavo Teravainen has missed like 17 of the last 18, or maybe it's 18 of the last 19. Uh, and nobody expected Jordan Stahl to be a point of game guy, right? So there are these things. Now they need to get Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, back on a heater. He needs to start uh, pumping in some goals and affecting the score sheet. Uh, Tonight against Chicago, I thought the Blackhawks simply played a brilliant defensive game, my opinion. Um, I did not hear post-game for Rod Brindamore. Um, uh, I will check that out tomorrow, but uh, to me, the Blackhawks played a really good defensive game, uh, controlled the neutral zone, controlled the center of the ice after the first period in their own zone, and Carolina just couldn't get inside. They got the one goal in the second period on the deflection uh, by Svechnikov, and then off the uh, uh, the, uh, the back or the leg of the Chicago defenseman, but 
for the most part, Carolina was kept to the outside. And you're not going to score goals against Kevin Lankinen, who is absolutely awesome as a rookie goaltender. Uh, as a goaltender, forget about rookie. Uh, you're not going to score goals from the outside against a guy like that. Um, but uh, Carolina was really good in the first, but I'll, like I said earlier, I'm not sure Carolina was that dangerous in terms of they didn't really test Lankinen. They had a lot of chances in close, but I didn't think they had a lot of amazing scoring chances. Anyway, with that said, uh, we will wrap this up. I am Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Go online for your free, no-obligation estimate, aluminumcompany.com. Siding, roofing, windows, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets, they've got it all. Sammy Hanna and his crew do a great job. Uh, so until Thursday night, April Fool's Night, another nationally televised game where they can all explain to us how good the Carolina Hurricanes are. Uh, I get it. It's their first nationally televised game this year. They were going to introduce everybody to the Hurricanes. Uh, it just seemed odd for those of us who had watched every game so far this year. Hurricanes fall 2-1 in Chicago. Uh, I am Adam Gold. We'll talk to you after Thursday's game against the Blackhawks. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.